May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Do you remember in 1999, um, which was, uh, it, didn't, it wasn't super successful when it came out, but it's become something of a cult classic, um, Office Space. Um, it's a little bit vulgar, so don't judge me by it if you go out and see it. But there is a great scene where the three guys beat a fax machine with a baseball bat. So that alone is worth watching it. But the scene I want to talk to you about is where Jennifer Aniston, who you know from Friends, um, her fame from that, but she was in the film and she's a waitress at this restaurant called Tchotchkes, which is kind of a mock TGI Fridays. Do they have TGI Fridays out here? You guys know it's like yuppie food kind of? Um, and uh, anyway, she's working at this restaurant and they have to wear flair, like buttons basically, um, tchotchkes. Um, and the minimum amount of flair that you have to wear is 15 pieces. And the manager like holds her account to that, but not only the, the minimum, he says, why, he says to her, why aren't you like this other waiter who wears 37 pieces of flair? And, and she gets mad at him. Well, I thought 15 was the minimum. And he says, well, do you really want to be somebody who does the bare minimum? You know, um, you should be expressing yourself. And I won't tell you what she does after that. But, um, <laughs> but uh, the, you see that the minimum, the law, the number, the rule was 15. But the inherent law was that's not good enough. You know, you have to do more than that. There's, there's an unwritten rule um, that 15 isn't really the rule. The bigger rule is you need to be more like Johnny, who wears 37 pieces of of flair. And do you know anyone in your life, you probably do, who has big rules, you know? And maybe they're actually literally written down, but usually they're unspoken. But, you know, passive-aggressive type people often write them down on, like, sticky notes or um, on your windshield. <laughs> um, there are probably people in your life who have rules. Um, and these rules make you kind of tremble, don't they? Um, and want to tiptoe around that person and keep your distance from them. Just as an example, uh, and, and perhaps it's a, a bad example, but it's a mundane one. At a former church of mine in the kitchen, you know, in, in much smaller churches than this one, you'll often see a lot of signs <laughs> um, posted around the building. And I remember there was one in the kitchen above the sink that said, clean up after yourself, your mother doesn't live here. Um, and I found out who wrote the note, and it changed my impression of that person, and I kind of was on edge around that person uh, because it probably, that was the one written rule. There are probably unwritten rules that I didn't know about that I was afraid that I was trespassing, you know. Um, uh, but I, believe me, I always clean up after myself in that kitchen. Um, uh, I did not leave dirty spoons in the sink. Um, do you remember uh, the, the hippie song, Signs? But do you remember, the, does anybody know the band that sang that song, Signs? They were like a Canadian rock group, One Hit Wonder. Do you know it? Is it like the Five the, Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Five Man Electric Band, <laughs> Signs, uh, was kind of a, a, a very, uh, kind of really expressed what the sort of, the, the kind of hippie anti-rebellion sort of um, feeling was about, and that's why it was such a hit, you know? You remember it, sign, sign, everywhere a sign, blocking out the scenery, breaking my mind. Do this, don't do that, 
Can't you read the sign? Uh, and that just sort of, it, it, they're singing about um, sort of uh, the institution and the man, but really that's everywhere. You know, it's pervasive with all people. A lot of people have rules, whether or not they, they make signs. There are signs that are telling you, do this, don't do that. And these rules or laws are absolute for the most part. You know, clean up the kitchen. Absolutely. There's no grace in this kitchen. Um, and and that, these, these signs, these rules often instill fear in us um, of, of the people. You know, just for instance, every time I see a police officer, I don't know about you, in the rear view mirror, I always think he's pulling me over, you know? <laughs> and I haven't been pulled over since I was like in my early 20s. But um, I always pull, I, I, I get out of his way and I slow down, you know, and I let him pass me, even if that means going 10 under the speed limit, because I just don't want that law behind me, you know, I just, that, that there's fear, my, my pulse goes up and my stomach drops. Um, and it's the same way, you know, if someone has personal rules, I kind of tiptoe around them, I get out of the fast lane and I let them pass by me, you know. Um, and for these reasons, it's surprising to me how Christian culture views the Ten Commandments. Um, and don't get me wrong with what I'm going to say about the Ten Commandments. I'll come back to how you know, they're still good and true. But still, it baffles me sometimes how Christian culture often views and talks about the Ten Commandments. For instance, I've seen this on both a bumper sticker and on an embroidered pillow the saying, the Ten Commandments are not multiple choice. You know, and what does that mean if someone puts that on their bumper or goes as far as to get an embroidered pillow? That means they hold the Ten Commandments in a very high esteem as something that's very uh, central to their faith, if not the kind of crux on which their faith stands. And um, here's another funny one. I was working in chaplaincy at Georgetown University, and we had a, a survey one Sunday and there happened to be a parent there of a student in this chapel service and, 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 and soliciting feedback about, like, what, what can we do to change things? I remember this parent wrote, and I knew he was a parent because he, like, he wrote that he was a parent on the survey. He wrote, teach more about the fourth commandment. Do you remember what the fourth commandment is? Keep the Sabbath day. Um, I, I thought that was hilarious that the one, you know, this one law that is about rest, he really was holding us to account for, for not teaching it more. And you know what he meant. My, my student is working 24-7, you know, around the clock, and, and uh, my son is working himself to the bone, and can't you ministers, uh, you know, help him here? But, uh, but again, the, the, the Ten Commandments came in the picture uh, for, for something that he should give us feedback on. And, and by the way, if you read the news, you've probably seen the recent court cases. There was one here in Alabama, I think, about um, displaying the Ten Commandments at state houses. And oftentimes there'll be um, sort of battles about whether or not Ten Commandments should be pl placed in public schools. And um, the arguments around those sometimes are, are quite baffling and, and what people often have to say. So let me just say about the the giving of the Ten Commandments, uh, something about it. Um, you know, here we have the reading, and that's why we did the Decalogue, the back and forth, Amen, Lord have mercy, because we had the reading, so we heard it a second time. 
you know, afterward we read in this text, um, after the Lord gives Moses the Ten Commandments and he comes down and tells the people, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood afar off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will hear it, but let not God speak to us lest we die. And they've basically turned Moses into a mediator between themselves and God, the lawgiver. They were trembling in the same way that I often tremble around police officers, you know, in a bigger way. I mean, there was thunder and smoke, you know. I mean, that alone um, would incite fear. Um, But before the giving of the Ten Commandments, they knew something like that was coming. They knew that there was this covenant of law coming in the chapter before, and they say to Moses, all this we will do. And three times in Exodus, they say, all this we will do, right before the giving of the Ten Commandments and twice afterwards. And the third time, they say, all this we will do, and not just the Ten Commandments, but all the hundreds of laws about minutiae of uh, worship and etc. They say, all this we will do. And, and Moses takes uh, the blood of an animal and sprinkles it on them. All this we will do and seals it, not just on the altar, but on them, as if you don't keep these laws, this is your blood. Um, These, not a jot or tittle can we let go. I mean, these are absolute, these laws. There's no flexibility. Uh, And that's basically what's happening there. We are signing it in blood. And so the problem, therefore, of course, is that the people of Israel do not keep the law. I mean, shortly thereafter, they break. The first time they break the law is the first one when Aaron fashions the the golden calf. You know, I mean, the first law, don't have any other gods before me, and they create an idol out of gold. Um, So they don't keep the law. And, And later, if you keep reading the Old Testament and then even into the New Testament, realize it's not even just about outward performance of keeping these Ten Commandments and the other uh, laws that are given in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Um, But it's also, as the prophets say, a matter of the heart. Uh, And and Jesus makes this abundantly clear. And that's even worse, you know, because I can literally not make a false idol, but on my heart I can keep a lot of them, which makes it impossible to keep these laws. So what's the good news, you know? Um, Well, that comes in Jesus and the new covenant. You know, that was the first covenant in the blood. But a new covenant um, comes. And Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish those laws. They're still absolute. Uh, You know, they're still true. They're still righteous, 100%. I did not come to abolish them. He summarizes them. Um, he, He changes our interpretation Um, But they're true, and he even raises the bar, you know, like I said, with the the heart thing. And he does this in the Sermon on the Mount and elsewhere when he's talking to the rich young ruler. He says to the rich young ruler, yeah, you don't get it, you know. Um, If you've actually kept the law, then do these things. He he recognized the thing on his heart that was impossible to do, to to sell his possessions and, and could not keep it. And therefore, God raises the bar higher for him than in the the literal reading, the the first reading that he had. Um, But the new covenant and Jesus Christ's blood comes to help us, to save us 
from not being able to fulfill this law. And it's another blood in covenant, uh, another covenant in blood, excuse me, when he holds up that cup and says, this is the new covenant in my blood. Um, Not abolishing, but changing the perspective um, that you were forgiven when you break these laws because of what I have done. And for those reasons, the collect of the day today is very helpful. I'm just going to read a part of it. Uh, It says, forgiving us those things which our conscience is afraid. We're actually afraid of the things that um, we're thinking about and know about what we've done. Forgiving us those things for which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior. His merits and his mediation, not our merits and not Moses' mediation or anyone else's, but because he has brought about this new covenant and we have his merits and his mediation, we're acceptable in God's sight, although we constantly fail, like the Israelites, creating the false idols. Now, let me just give you a pastoral note, and then I'll end with one thing. Um, Please don't let me be misunderstood. Uh, You know, I've said this a couple times in the sermon, the law is just, and it is good, and it is true. I believe that. But praise God that it is not God's final word. That his final word is one of grace that comes through the person and work of Jesus Christ and fulfilling that law that we cannot. Um, And let me just finally end with the final stanza of that song, Signs, by Five Man uh, Electric Group. Um, And the sign said, Everyone welcome, come in, kneel down and pray. But when they passed out the plate at the end of it all, I didn't have a penny to pay. So I got me a pen and a paper and I made up my own little sign. I said, thank you, Lord, for thinking about me. I'm alive and doing fine. I mean, just hear the Christian message in there. And they actually have organ when they're playing it, um, especially in that stanza. I am doing fine. Thank you, Lord, because of Jesus Christ. Amen.